Hi, and welcome to Integrate Faith and Innovate. I'm Dr. Hannah Stoltz, Director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation and Professor of Supply Chain Management. I'm here with my co-host, F.T. Chong, Head of Private Capital for Pinebridge Investments. This is a podcast for conversations about the integration of faith with practical tips for faithful decision-making in everyday business. This season, we're focusing our conversation on the ways our faith as Christians make us unique. How does the gospel inspire us to think and act differently, to innovate in ways that are countercultural and make the world a better place for humanity? We're so excited to have Tracy Blackwell with us here today. Tracy is the Senior Creative Executive at Targeted Content, (laughs) of Targeted Content at Amazon Studios. She works closely with Prime Video and Freebie, Amazon's AVOD service working across all teams with a special focus on creating content aimed at diverse audiences, young adult audiences and faith and family audiences. Previously, Tracy served as EVP and head of scripted programming at BET and senior vice president of current programs at CW for 14 years. She oversaw the day-to-day creative production of series such as Supergirl, Jane the Virgin, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Black Lighting, Roswell, Black Lightning, Roswell, New Mexico, Legacies, and All-American. Blackwell's TV programming credits also include Supernatural, Vampire Diaries, The Originals, Dynasty, The Carrie Diaries, Heart of Dixies, The Messengers, Life Unexpected, Beauty and the Beast, Containment, Frequency, One Tree Hill, 90210, Everybody Hates Chris, The Game, Girlfriends, Eve, and Half and Half. Tracy earned a bachelor's degree in English from Spelman College, a master's degree in communications from Emerson, and has studied at Fuller Theological Seminary. She's a proud member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Inc., and is honored to be here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Tracy. I'm so fangirling a little bit here over all the things you've been a part of. That was a mouthful. I'm going to have to figure out how to (laughs) shorten that. And you know I said every single show, too. I didn't get any most people shorten it, but amen for you saying all no, of it. That's I, I want it all in there. <laughs> at some point, at some point, I think you say more than a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> many, many shows. Many, many shows. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for being with us. Um, I think people will be are very in, interested in learning about your background, how you got here, uh, and what you do. Maybe we reverse it a little bit, and uh, we talked about. AVOD and scripted and all that. What is it? What is it all? What do you do? <laughs> what does it all mean? What does it all mean? Well, it depends on which place you're talking about. So, if we're talking about um, the 14 years I was at the CW, uh, where I was the SVP of current programs, um, that basically means uh, you know current programming is the the department that that oversees. Uh, scripted series on a day-to-day basis. Um, I think, you know, probably people in your audience um, understand the process of developing television. And you know that there is an entire, um, you know, an entire process, you know, from it being an idea to it becoming um, an actual series. But once it becomes, once it becomes a series, um, at many networks, it shifts down to a different department, and that department is called current programming because somebody actually has to work on that show day to day. Somebody has to be ground zero for that show, and dealing with you know hiring writers, hiring directors, dealing with all of the creative aspects of the show, 
Uh, current programming is a department that gets the stories, the outlines, the scripts. We get the rough cuts. We have final say on casting, working in tandem with the casting department. And so it's just, you know, the, 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 the full 360 of series management. And that obviously, you know, if a show is on the air for, you know, multiple seasons, like a show like a Supernatural or Vampire Diaries or Girlfriends, you know, Supernatural was on the air for 15 seasons. And so I was a part of that show for, I would say, probably 12 of the 15 seasons. And then, you know, sometimes you have a show, you know, maybe like a Messengers that was only on the air for one season. So, you know, it just kind of depends. But uh, as a current program, I mean, current programming executive, you get signed assigned a certain number of shows. Yeah. I've probably had as many as seven or eight shows at once, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. And the great part about the job is, is that if for some reason the show gets canceled, you don't lose your job. That's why I actually liked the corporate side of creative and working at a, at a television network because you just either get assigned another show or once another one comes along um, that gets put in your, in your bucket. But yeah. um, it's, it's, it literally was, is, is probably one of the best experiences I have ever had working in television. Yeah. It might be the best, you know, I've only been at Amazon for, for a few months now, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but the best for 14 years of my life, I have to tell you, it was literally my dream job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how does the new role, uh, how is that different? Um, well, I think, uh, well, I will say just to, if we're going in order, I will just say, um, you know, the, the opportunity I had to go to BET to run scripted was a a huge opportunity. So that job was different in that, um, I was ahead of all creative, um, for, for original scripted programming. So that meant I had oversight of the development, which is the part before current, right? So I had development over development and current, but I also had oversight over talent relations and casting. And so it was a really big purview. And those jobs tend to be much more macro because you're dealing with all of the the bigger and larger issues of what it is to program a network. And there's a lot that goes into that. Uh, But it does take you oftentimes away from creative. I think a lot of people want these C-suite jobs particularly in media. And if you're working at a, at a platform, whether it's a, a cable station, a broadcast network, or a streaming platform, uh, a lot of us got into this because we wanted to be close to creative. Working with, with sure, the scripts, sure. producers, and showrunners day-to-day uh, was the joy of doing the job. Ha- being able to have impact on what shows on the screen. Now, an executive, a creative executive at a network never takes credit for the writing, if you, if you hear somebody doing that, I don't know that they're being completely honest about what they do every day. We do have influence and we do a lot of, it's a collaborative process with showrunners and producers, but executives should never be taking credit for the actual writing on a show. So I never want to mislead people about that, but it is a very creative job and you're working with a lot of the different entities that go into making a TV show every day. And so it's a lot of fun. And that's why, that's why I loved it. But they, but, but if you're the head of something, right, it it can be at times, depending on the place, a very high level look down. And I really did miss the day-to-day creative and being close to content, which is why um, I decided to um, 
sort of transition over to Amazon where I could do that. Yeah. Everything that you described, I think a lot of young people would, would give their left arm to do some, <laughs> some aspects of what you've been doing. Um, <clears throat> and tell us how, how we got started. How do you, how do you get into this field? Well, how did you get into this? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, as, as you know, you, you heard, I am a graduate of Spelman College and uh, the best, I would say the best four years of my life prior to as, as you know, before my, my actual career, career started. Um, Spelman has, I would say, gets the credit for forming a lot of who I am as a woman in terms of, you know, and, you know, in addition to my parents, you know, in terms of how I hold myself, um, as a woman, as a black woman, uh, living in this country, you know, it's, it feels like it's getting harder, (laughs) not easier on times in the last couple of years, like what's going on. Uh, but it, it was an amazing place to go to school. And, and, you know, I was an English major in college and I don't know that I specifically knew while I was at Spelman, what part of the industry I wanted to be in. Um, I think I arrived there knowing I might be, might want to do something in the journalism field, but I think very quickly as I began to do different internships um, and jobs over the summers while I was in school, I quickly figured out what part of the media I wanted to work in. And by the time I graduated and made the decision to go to Emerson to get a master's, I knew that it was probably something in the film or television space, more likely entertainment. And uh, so I you know I went to Emerson and 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 I chose Emerson. I was kind of choosing between two places. I was choosing between uh, Syracuse and Emerson. And I chose Emerson College because they had a really wonderful program called the LA program, which was an internship um, program that they created where they sent um, probably over 150 kids a semester out to LA to live and work. And I very strategically did that program my last semester of graduate school because my plan was I wanted to find a job and stay and just have my thesis to work on. That's exactly what happened. I was very blessed to to get a couple of opportunities. Uh, I picked one, which was in production. And, uh, and I stayed, I never went back to Boston and that was my plan. Cause it's very cold in Boston. And so, although it was a great place to, great place to go to school, I did not want to live there. Uh, so yeah, I got, I got a job in production and, and I will tell you, I got distracted from my thesis and the story of how I finished my thesis is a whole nother God story story for a whole nother podcast. I have to tell you, it is nothing but the grace of God that I was able to come back and finish it because I had gotten extremely distracted with the business of, trying to figure out where I fit, um, in the world of entertainment. And so I, as I began to move through the industry and move up in the industry, I had to cycle back to my, to my a master's degree later to finish it up. But that's basically how I got, how I got started. You know, I, I, you know, formed a lot of relationships. Um, I had a, a couple of really great jobs in the beginning, which led me to my, my mentors and one of my mentors uh, basically suggested that there was a job at UPN as an assistant that I go out for. And she, she set the interview up for me. I, and I fortunately got the job and I was at UPN um, for, for quite a few years working as an assistant. And I eventually got promoted to an executive. And then, as you know, um, some years later after uh, UPN was in existed, it merged with the WB. Uh, network, which became, and the two things, you know, came together to become the CW. 
and that started my 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 14 years at CW. But I was actually at UPN before, even before that. I hope that answers your question. No, that's good. I think people have aspirations and they they think, well, in two years I'm going to be an executive at some place. It no. takes a long road, right? It's knowing what you want and going for it. Uh, it is. It is a long road. I mean, I'm what they call a homegrown executive um, because I literally started at the bottom and worked in a lot of different departments um, in network television before I was promoted. I, you know, and I worked for the president of the network. I, I really, I literally did it all um, until I got promoted. And once you get promoted, you know, you can kind of, there's kind of a, if you're, if you're blessed, there's a climb to get to where I am today. But I, I spent many years as an assistant. I spent years as an assistant wondering if I was ever going to get promoted. Like, when, when am I going to stop answering phones and getting coffee? Please, Lord, help me. <laughs> so okay. I know, I know what that feels like, but it's, yeah. there's no silver bullet to these jobs. There really isn't. You have to get in and you have to learn them. No one's just going to hand it to you. And if you get there too fast, you will crash and burn out because they, they, they require very specific skills. And if you don't have them, you will be found out very quickly. Well, uh, dealing with people and people's skills takes time too, right? You can't, nobody's born. Some people are born knowing how to deal with people. So uh, Hannah and I were talking, so we have the career journey, but then you also have your spiritual pilgrimage. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your spiritual pilgrimage and then how it marries into your career. Yeah. Um, well, I was raised in the church. Um, you know, both of my parents were raised in the church and I had the, you know, I was fortunate that I was as a young person, I was part of a youth group at my church that created, um, amazing community and extended family that exists to this day. And they probably had, you know, the, them along with my parents. I also say, the, the greatest gift my mother ever gave me was a relationship um, to to the Lord. I mean, to an invitation, you know, a, a, yeah, an introduction to a relationship with the Lord, I should say. And, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people feel like, you know, you believe because you were raised to believe, you know, did you believe because your parents believe. Do you really actually have the faith? Are you just doing what you've been taught to do? Yeah. And I think for many years, maybe that's part of the muscle, you know, you, you, you know, even when you're off to college, you know, you, you go, you go to church because, you know, you were raised to go to church on Sundays. And I even think in college, sometimes you can get a bit distracted with, with whatever that, you know, what, what the, what the college experience is, because, you know, you're studying and doing all those things, but you're also having a lot of fun. And so that Saturday night hangout, you know, you're like, oof, I don't know if I'm going to church in the morning. But I think as time goes on, you just, you know, if, and if you have family that reminds you, I had had parents, I had a mom that reminded me constantly, I had people praying for me all the time. And so that influence was always there. And even when I went off to grad one of the things I did was try to finish church. And so I think that, that, that journey just was, you know, sort of in my spirit always. Um, but I think once I started working, you know, I don't know. I, I found a church when I got to LA. I was consistent with that. And I think it was always part of how I tried to represent myself. But there became a point where I just began to grow spiritual. And I can't tell you it was one particular thing. 
Um, some of it I think is just staying faithful, you know, making sure you, you, you read your Bible and go to church. And, and, and honestly, I'm going to, it's going to sound like a broken record, but having people in your life, like family who remind you that God is with you, that you need to be praying, you know, this is Los Angeles is a crazy place. Um, some people think it's the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, that there's no, there's no good that comes out of what goes on here. And so, you know, I just had a lot of encouragement, but, but a lot of people saying, make sure you keep, keep your heart close to the Lord. And I think I just, I just grew. And at some point, I think the Lord just began to speak very clearly out how this should be a part of not just my everyday and my personal life, but how it should impact my work. Yeah. And what I really tried to do was not, I don't know that I ever felt necessarily comfortable being the person walking around the office with the Jesus sign in my hand, but there, there were very, as, as I got, as I grew in my career, as I moved up in my career, I think I became bolder in my faith and more comfortable talking about it. And so there were very few people that I worked with who did not know that I was a believer. That's because when great. things come up where it's like Good Friday, it's like, no, I'm not taking a half a day. It's the whole day. It's the holiest day of the year if you're a Christian, just like uh, the Jewish faith. They want their high holidays. They're very important to them. This is important to me. And so yeah. people just begin to see you know, they hear about, you know, things you're working on, community events that you're part of, stuff you're doing at your church, and they realize it's a part of the fabric of who you are. And I just began to grow. And I said, you know, Lord, what I want to be is a light in this industry. I want people to see who Christ is just experiencing me, you know, and, and we can, when we can talk about it, I the main thing for me is that if someone said, well, she calls herself a Christian. She calls herself a follower, a follower of Christ. What does that actually look like? How does she behave? Is she a person of integrity? Is she a person of honor? Does she tell the truth? Does she treat people with compassion and love? No, you know, no matter what the situation, is she judgmental? All of the things I think people are looking at you. Once you say that, once you put your stake in the ground and say, I am a believer, I think people want to see like, how does that show up? Yeah. How does that show up? And that's what I've really tried to do. I've just tried to show up as that person. And then if people want to know why I'm so happy and joyful every day, then we can talk about it. Cause I know we're supposed to be testifying. <laughs> yeah, you were, I mean, this is, it's so inspiring. I love that. I mean, I'm encouraged and encouraging. I'm, can I, I can be encouraged and encouraging students in their internships and in those entry-level jobs, but also in um, pressing into God, I think, throughout their their career journeys. And I love, you know, the God stories along the way. Um, so I'd love to hear the God story. I mean, you threw it out there with finishing your Emerson, the master's thesis and all of that and, and finishing it all. Um, yeah. Is there more to that story? Um, well, I will just say that it was always in my spirit that I didn't, like I, like I said, I got distracted. Mm-hmm. So I stopped working on it. And, you know, it, it just, you know, they give you time to finish, but I just, it more, you know, you know, years were passing and I was like, gosh, I think there's a statute of limitations on this thing. I'm sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at some point I was like, wow, well, I'm like at this particular point, you know, um, in my career. And I don't know that I need it to go higher. So 
is there, is it necessary? But I, I think two things, I think my, my family was like, you spent all that money. Cause my parents paid for undergrad, but they were like, if you want to go to graduate school, you got to pay for it. So, you know, I took out loans. I was paying, you know, I was paying Sally Mae mm-hmm. his money every month. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you, 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 you didn't finish the degree. You didn't, you didn't, you finished, you, well, you finished, but you didn't finish writing your thesis. So like, what's, what, what are we doing here? And, um, I don't know. I just, I think I had people tapping on my shoulder, but, but every now and then I could feel the voice of the Holy spirit going, finish what you started, Hmm. finish what you started. And I don't, I think looking back, um, I had no idea that it was that 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 process in doing that was going to be part of my testimony. Mm -hmm. It was also going to bring me closer to my faith and also add a whole nother layer to my journey. And so I tried a couple of times inquiring about how to come back and finish. And, and, and more than once I was told, no, you would actually have to come back to Boston to do that. And I was just like, why? It's a, it's, it's the paper I did. I mean, I've literally finished all my requirements. It's just the paper. Um, so why do I need to come back to Boston to do that? But at the time there, you know, whatever they saw as, you know, finishing required you to, to, to come back. And so it just, it wasn't going to work. I was like, I'm an executive. Like I can't come back to Boston. So I just kind of kept asking. I kept being told no, but the Holy spirit was just like, just keep trying, just keep trying. And one time when I, 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 you know, several months, you know, a year would go by and I was like, you know, let me try again. And I would, I emailed this particular person and I said, you know, I've been working on this and poking at this for a while and not having any success. Um, do you have any advice for me? And he said, you know, let me look into this. This is interesting. He goes, you are the epitome of what Emerson represents. You are a success story in terms of what you've accomplished in your career. Like we need to figure this out. And so he went away and did a bunch of things and um, several months he would give me kind of updates along the way. He was like, I think I'm making some progress, but I'm not sure. And he had me send him a bunch of information and they had to match classes in terms of what I had done and what I would have to do now. It was, it was a whole thing. And I was just like, this is just never going to work out. This is never going to work out. So I might as well give up. And basically what happened was, is the, um, I think the head of alumni relations called me one day. She goes, we want to invite you to this event that's happening out in Los Angeles for Emerson. We'd love for you to come. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. Um, so I went to the event and it was a lovely event, you know, saw a bunch of people that I knew and I had done things for Emerson, you know, during that time. Um, but I wasn't fully engaged. And uh, she goes, you know, I'd like to, we were at the event. She goes, I'd love to take you to lunch tomorrow to talk to you a little bit more. And I said, okay. And we went to lunch the next day. She goes, thank you for coming to the event last night. I just wanted to introduce you to a few people, but, um, the, 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 the big news I have for you is we're going to let you finish your master's degree. And I, I literally, <laughs> I almost fell off my chair. I was like, she's like, we're going to let you, we're going to let you do this. She goes, we're going to give you, you know, you're going to, we're going to give you an advisor and you're going to have a year to get this done. If you cannot do it in a year, that's it, but we're going to let you do it. And then we're, and then we're going to use you to the maximum capacity um, <laughs> for the school, um, to be an ambassador for the school, to do anything you can to help the school. And I was like, well, that's the least I can do. Um, it was not free. I did have to pay to do it. Uh, but I spent the next year working with an advisor and to restart an entire, a whole new thesis. Wow. 
um, which I did on work-life balance. Yeah. And um, I came to a really interesting conclusion spiritually that I, that I was less concerned with figuring out how to have it all and more concerned about how to have a God. And so that I even came to a spiritual conclusion at the end of my thesis. And it was actually a part of my thesis that I talked about that. That's great. Wow. In your current environment, um, are there many Christians? Are there other, other people that uh, in your workplace that are either visible or you kind of suspect? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yes, there definitely were. There definitely were. You know, not everybody was as bold as I was, but I think when you when you have the courage to speak about it, people sort of gravitate towards you honestly. And so there were definitely, um, several people at, um, at CW who I would talk to from time to time. I had one of our assistants in our department, um, was a believer and she and I really, and it's funny. Uh, I actually had a lunch with them the other day. Um, two of, two of, of my assistants who worked in our department and they brought me the cutest mug and it has, um, it has, uh, they call it, I think the mug is called the Bible hotline and it's literally got, you know, like whatever these crisis moments are that you would need, there are Bible verses attached to it. It's actually literally on a mug. It's, I'd show it to you if I could turn around. It's the cutest thing you've ever seen, but, but that's how people see me. They bring me, they brought me a mug as a gift. <laughs> it has Bible verses on it. So yeah. So yeah. And as you can imagine at BET, um, you know, an environment where, you know, cause I not, you know, not every person of color is, is a believer, but, um, being in an environment where there is, um, the majority of people who work there are African-American, there were several people of faith who I sure. worked with. Several of my members of my team were people of faith. Yeah. And, um, so yes. And, and even at Amazon, I did a town hall at Amazon the other day. I spoke, I took the moment to spoke, to speak boldly for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, in front of uh, many people in person and who knows how many people virtually Yeah, yeah. as I talked about part of what I'm going to part of what I'm doing at Amazon in the faith and family space. Um, and I told people that I'm a, that I'm a believer that I'm a follower of Christ. And so I had several people reach out to me directly after that, um, saying I've never heard anybody speak so boldly about their faith before in a work environment. And I'm a believer too. And I'd love to talk to you. And so I'm excited with connecting you know, connecting with people at Amazon who are believers as well now that I'm there. That's cool. Yeah, you've been in, in really demanding positions, you know, and in, I know creative and content, I get a little bit of it as a professor, you know, just in our boring academic writing, but in your space, I can imagine you're thinking about work a lot and um, it's, it's, it's probably a lot of hours. And so what have you done? And this sounds like, you know, you've thought about this in your um, in your thesis as well. How do you find work-life harmony? How do you find God balance in the work that you do and the work you're doing at Amazon as well? So, there's sometimes that I don't find balance. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> sometimes it's work, work, work. I mean, I tell people, I would always tell um, students and people who are interested in what I did, if you want to work in current programming, and you want a nine to five or a nine to six where you work, you go to work, you do the work, and then you put it down when you go home. This is not the job for you. A lot of, uh, many of the jobs in entertainment are like that, you know, particularly if they're creative, um, you know, and they're in that, 
in the the scripted space. Sometimes in production, I guess in production, if you once you leave, you you know you go to sleep, you wake up, you start to do it again. But if if you do anything in scripted television, um, um, on the non production side, it's 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 seven days a week. It it honestly is. It's it's I always have a script in my hand. You know, um, and I, I saw a friend the other day at lunch and she, she saw me with a script in my hand. She goes, the, she goes, the old Tracy is back and I'm happy to see her because I'm back being close to the content in this, in this position at Amazon. And so you're always finding moments to read. It's the mm-hmm. five minutes before your dinner companion gets there. You know, it's, it's, you go to get some breakfast on the weekends. Um, I often go by myself um, purposely so that I can read, you know, mm-hmm. you have to find moments to do it. But the balance is, you know, I have great friends um, that I spend my time with. I love to read, not work things. Right. If I can. It's not always easy. You know, I spent probably, and, and I spent a lot of time, I will be candid, not focused on my personal life in the beginning, because uh, when I started, there were not a ton of black female network. They weren't a top, not a ton of black network executives, period. There definitely were not a lot of women, uh, 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 you know, women of color who were, who were and definitely not black. They, I knew a couple of them and they were my mentors. And so now there are a ton more. But when I started, you know, the advice I was given was put your head down and do the work. Hmm worry about dating later, worry about a family later. Like there are so few of these jobs. You are in a unique position and you really need to be focused on work right now. And so I would say to, I've often said this in interviews, I put my head down when I was 25 and I lifted it back up when I was 35. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea where the time went. Yeah. I did have some fun. You know, I dated some great guys, but I did not focus on, you know, I tell my, I tell the young women I mentor, if your desire, by the way, that's if, because not everybody wants that. If your desire is to be married or to have a partner, um, to have a family, kids, you have got to invest time in that part of your life. Do not spend it all working because it goes really fast and you will find yourself in a place where it will be difficult. um, It can feel difficult to accomplish those things if you do not give time and energy to them. Yeah, that's not it's not easy. I got to tell no. you, I'm, I'm kind of better at it now, it's, but it's I'm like where yeah. I'm just not doing a good job of um, of self care. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, not just yeah, it's not just men. It's everybody, right? Yeah. I'm not just women. I mean, I I, yeah. I woke up one day, I was 38 and not married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's easy not to care for yourself or the other aspects of your life. I want to turn yeah. this. And, and by the way, and I'll just say before you jump into the next question, yeah. I will say that maybe it's a whole, uh, probably a whole other uh, podcast of how to date and be a believer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> it's a whole different thing. And and it's in LA. In LA. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to turn this a little bit. There are a couple, there's an enduring story in humanity which translates into the, the stories for movies or TV series, meaning every human realizes there's something missing 
they find it in love or conquering something. So all the, the stories in TV and all that are have something that could reflect in the gospel, meaning the Lion King or whatever. It's the story of someone dying for other people, uh, uh, of people facing adversity, and there's no hope left except appeal to something to a higher power. And uh, actually, there are two professors at at Wheaton who, uh, from time to time, go down to Disney and tell them this is what the gospel story and this how it can fit into the Lion King or any of those. Um, <clears throat> to what extent do you think you there is a possibility? And this it's it's commercially viable too because that's what is in the human heart, right? We are missing something and we're looking, right? Mm -hmm. And God reaches down and provides. To what extent do you think you, in your work you can pull in kind of the gospel story, not not directly to say you know preaching the gospel, but the the, the long the long story of humanity looking for meaning. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of ways, um, and again, I think a, a lot of times the way that we go about it in storytelling or the way I've tried to go about it in storytelling is stealth. You know, before I got, before I got to Amazon where, a, you know, a piece, it's not all of it. It's a piece of, of, of what I'm um, jumping into there. Um, the faith and family part is, is going to be more obvious because that's, you know, they realize there's an underserved audience there that, that wants content. And so some of that content because it's supposed to serve that audience, it'll you know those things will be more obvious and more forward facing. Um, but I think, you know, before that, there, there, uh, you know, in the work that I did at CW and the work that I did at BT, there's always to do it in the storytelling. You know, even even in in what people would consider to be YA, because I think you know young people are always on this journey, particularly at that age, you know, of trying to figure out who they are and who they want to be. And it comes through in themes of how, you know, how to deal with adversity. You know, um, there are a lot of kids who are, are dealing with issues of, um, of, of identity and, and um, finding value in a world where social media will reinforce most of the time negatively um, what you are and what you are clearly are not. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. And so trying to find, you know, I worked on a, on a show um, that's very successful at the CW called All American uh, about um, a group of young people who, you know, this, it, this show centers around a young man who, um, who was recruited uh, by Beverly Hills High School um, from Crenshaw to come and play football there. And he's kind of got a, a foot in both worlds but often there's, you know, there's, there's stories of struggle for him yeah. and, and the people around him about how to be the best version of yourself. And I, I think there's, there's always very clear ways to talk about those things without it being heavy handed. And sure. I think a lot yeah. of times that's the best version in storytelling. People don't even realize how many biblical themes are weaved through just the, 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 you know, just the idea of, of, of telling a story and how to, how to set up a problem and find an answer, you know, how a character grows um, throughout the course of an episode or how a character grows throughout the course of a season. 
Um, but I think the world we're living in particularly um, with what people are facing in terms of trying to find hope, there are, are all kinds of ways uh, to, to introduce those themes um, into storytelling of, of all, no matter what they are. I got to tell you, I was very surprised at how often Supernatural, which was the longest running sci-fi show on broadcast television. It's, it probably still holds the record, even though it's, mm. it would off in the, in the 15th season, um, the series concluded how often they used uh, biblical stories and they would find ways to not exploit the story necessarily, not 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 do revisionist history, but find the spaces in between um, to really do interesting things with mythology, you know, mm-hmm. with the with things like the Mark of Cain. And and I always said the one piece of memorabilia I would have wanted from the supernatural set that I did not ask for because I left before the show went off the air, but there was a whole um, mythology around the Ark of the Covenant during one of the seasons. And I thought to myself, that's the thing I want. That's the piece, that's the piece, the, the piece of, from the set, um, that I want because of what it actually represents, um, to the people of God. And so they found really interesting ways, you know, Lucifer was very present a lot in that show. Um, Gabriel and Michael were very present. There was an angel that became one of the main characters on Supernatural, named Castiel. Um, we saw the face of God um, mm-hmm. as they saw it <laughs> on Supernatural. Um, you know, I mean, there were all kinds of things that, that they, they used in the Bible. And there were times where I would say on notes calls, wait, is that right? Like, are you all sure that's how? And they would like, go back and look. <laughs> and I would literally go back and look through my Bible. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never saw that there that there before, you know, and I'd have to go back to them and say, my bad guys, you guys are 100% right. This story is there. That is how it's told. And now you were, you all are kind of extending it (laughs) using fiction uh, to, to, to make it feel bigger, but yeah. So there are all kinds of ways it can be done. I absolutely agree with you, but I would say at a now more than ever, we need stories of hope and inspiration And it doesn't have to be a very straightforward, heavy-handed. Oh, it can be more stealth, or or it can be a show like The Chosen, which I know a lot of people are enjoying as well. Yeah, uh, and moral clarity, you know, uh, I, you know, less less uh, mo- movies or shows about criminals that get away with <laughs> with murdering <laughs> and are sailing or, or, away, or, or or even the just the the idea of of consequences. Mm-hmm. That you make yeah. a choice, and there's a consequence. And yeah. you know, we all we all understand that there's grace, and that if you ask for forgiveness, you will be forgiven. You just have to ask for it. But God never said anything about there not being consequences. Yeah, and grace is a wonderful uh, story. You know that you you did something wrong; it's beyond you to correct it. And somebody yeah. says, "Okay, you know, I'll let yeah. you, I'll pay the price for you." Uh, that's yeah. a wonderful story. Yeah, it, it is. is. Thank you. This is this is so inspiring, and I I love hearing how you've persevered and how the Holy Spirit has you know nudged you over the years in in perseverance. And I think a big part of that um, when we do persevere, we have an opportunity to encourage people around us. And so I know we're almost out of time for the for this recording, and I would love to know what advice or words of encouragement would you give um, to working women, maybe, but to also, you know, Christians in creative spaces. 
um, you know, in general, uh, what, what words of encouragement would you give today to say, persevere, keep going? Um, I would just say it, it is okay to talk about your faith. I think a lot of people are often afraid. And I do realize sometimes you have to get to a point where you're comfortable in an environment. Maybe it's the work environment that you're in. Maybe it's the social environment that you're in. You need to be there a while before you feel um, what I call bold. Mm-hmm. And again, some of this has come from time and from age that I feel this way. Although I have to tell you, there are a lot of people that I have met, you know, I always say to um, amazing women like Chelsea, um, my friend Chelsea, who you all met, that I, I was not as anywhere near as spiritually mature um, as she is at her age. I was, I, it took me much longer to get to the space um, of boldness that she's in and the place of clarity that she's in. Um, and, but sometimes it does take time and, and that's okay. Um, and not to be afraid. You know, I think there are for me, the best way to represent the love of God is in, it's just in how you carry yourself every day. You know, I think it's important that we testify um, you, but, but in work environments, you often have to be careful about how you have about, about how that's handled. So you don't push people or offend them. Um, because there are people of different faiths. There are people of no faiths. Right. Um, but I think, and I think it's, it's also sometimes about what, what the assignment is. I mean, God gives all of us assignment and purpose. And sometimes your assignment and purpose may be to evangelize in these spaces, I think. Um, but for oftentimes, it, it shows just up in who you are and how you treat people. Um, you approach, like I said, you approach, you know, situations with honesty and, and compassion and integrity. Um, do you make a commitment not to lie? Do you make a, a, a commitment to, to be, you know, to be as transparent, as transparent as you can with people that you work with, especially in leadership. I think people really appreciate transparency and leadership. Um, I think that's the best way that it comes out, you know, like behaving in a Christ-like way, uh, what that means and what that looks like just every day in living, you know, because sometimes as if you've heard that the term, you may be the only God or, or the only Jesus people see, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so, and what does that mean? But I would just encourage people to not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I think I will say, and this might feel a little controversial to say this, but I think that um, we've come out of a political environment. I think we're still in it where people are calling themselves followers of Christ and espousing hate right now um, in, in, um, in, 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 in they're politicizing it. Right. And so it, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Right. can say you hate someone you cannot um um involve yourself in racist rhetoric or racist behavior or in hate speech and call yourself a follower of christ you know at the end he gave us two commandments and loving your neighbor you know if you can get these two commandments right you basically have covered everything you know Mm -hmm. and so let's be about that business right in the world as we carry ourselves but i would just i would just encourage you you know, be the light in the space that you're in. Don't be afraid. 
you know, and when someone comes and asks you why you have joy or how you're able to pull off or, or how come you understand what your purpose and place is in the world or why do you understand what your value is and how can I understand my identity in the world? That is your, <laughs> that's your invitation to maybe talk about God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just in boldness. And I would continue, I would just say prayer time, prayer and meditation mm -hmm. is incredibly valuable. Mm -hmm. Find it. You know, God speaks primarily to us through the word of God. So spending time reading the Bible, I do it in the morning. Um, but the commuting time is, is, is unbelievably important to helping you stay strong in these environments because it can often be challenging. It can often be challenging. I've experienced pushback before and I'm expecting for there maybe even to be some pushback in this current situation that I'm in now because, you know, Christianity is not the only faith practice right? It's the biggest bucket because there are over 2 billion Christians in the world, right? It's the biggest bucket. And so that is something I'm going to have to navigate as well, because we're going to have to talk about other practices um, in the new position that I'm, that I'm working in. So yeah, just, and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, don't just pray and get up, sit mm -hmm. and listen, be quiet and let him talk to you and, and stay in the word. It's super important. I love that. Thank you so much. That's great. It's uh it's people like you, people in the front line of the work world who really have to reclaim the brand of Christianity for Christ, right? Because mm -hmm. there are other people misrepresenting and really damaging what it means to be a Christian and making I'm it I'm going to steal that from you. I'm going to steal that from you. Reclaiming the brand. That's exactly what we need to do. We serve a God of love. Yeah. We serve a God of love. You know, whatever the sin is, God may hate the sin, but he does not hate the sinner. Mm -hmm. yeah. Think about who Jesus hung out with. You know, we're supposed to love everybody. That's our job. Not yeah. to judge people. You know, that's God's job. And whatever, whatever we're doing wrong or right or whatever was off kilter or out of alignment, we will all, that's a guarantee, we will all have our opportunity to have that talk with God for him to say, this is where we are and, it's, and let's, let's talk about. Because what I know for sure is that when I get to that moment where I'm having that talk with Jesus at the end of my life, he will not ask me where I worked. He will not ask me what my title was. He will not ask me how much money I, ate, I made. He won't ask me who I was married to. He won't ask me won't ask me and what kind of car I drove, how many pairs of, of red bottom shoes I had. He won't care about any of that. Yeah. He, I think he will care about, did I live purpose? Did I live my assignment? Did I listen to him? Did I love people? How did I treat people? I think those will be the conversations that we will be having with God. None of this, none of this other stuff matters. Did I represent, I'm going for a well done. I don't know about y'all, but I, I really... <laughs> I want a well done. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to watch a highlight reel of my life and God say, that's the life I had for you. If you had just said yes to me, hmm. if you said yes, that's the life I had for you, but you, you wouldn't press in. So I'm going for a well done. Yeah. yeah. Well, so far, it seems like well done. Does. Yeah, it does. And thank you for the reminder for just, it is simple. It's, it is about loving people and that's gotta be primary in all that we do. 
Well, I think we are at our time. I wish we could talk. I have about 20 more questions, but um, <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, we just loved having you with us and um, we, we will be in touch as this gets edited and produced and ready to go live. So thank you so much. Yeah. Should we end in a prayer? Should we yeah. Can we end in a prayer? Is that okay with you, Tracy? No, I want you all to pray. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I will pray. Yes. will pray. Thank you, Lord, for this time, Lord. It's really you provide uh, you provide opportunities. You put us in situations where we have the opportunity to live our faith, Lord. And I I thank you for this time. I thank you for Tracy and her work. Um, you have put her in an industry that is challenging, uh, in an environment where many people will not agree with the Christian worldview. I pray, Lord, that you will protect Tracy. Uh, you will inspire her. You'll keep her strong. You will um, rally people around her who can encourage her, remind her of uh, who she is, uh, a child saved by you, saved by grace, uh, who can trust in you and who can praise you daily because you bear our burdens, Lord, and you bore our greatest burden, which is a sin unto death, and you took that death uh, for us. So I pray, Lord, that uh, you will continue to bless, uh, to bless Tracy's work, her career, her personal life, help her to find the right balance in all these things, uh, and and keep her reminded that uh, that you are God. We are we are your servants, and uh, one day we all look forward to being with you in paradise forever. And uh, Tracy can can make many more creative scripts and share it with everyone. Um, and so we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.